Let's look at, at this tonight. All of this, by the way, is from a, a pamphlet. I can take credit for none of it. From a pamphlet from the same company that I looked at last week and gave you handouts on. And this pamphlet is called 24 Ways to Explain the Gospel. What I've done is selected just a few. And we're not going to go through all 24, and we'll roll through the ones on the sheet pretty quickly. My goal tonight is simply to help you understand some ways that you can share the gospel with people. You'll run into, as you well know, all sorts of different kinds of people that maybe would hear something differently. Now, those of you that may be in a certain line of work may be able to find a way to talk with other people in that same line of work in a way that maybe you can't talk with someone else. For example, if I am sharing the gospel with someone who is a former baseball player or coach like I am, then I would probably share it in some way relating to sports, if that makes sense to you. So the goal tonight is just to highlight some of those ways. Because as you interact with people, you may get creative and say, you know what, I never thought about it, but this person and I have this in common. I wonder if I sort of talked with them along this line, if maybe that would help make it make sense. And so... I, I have a few of these, by the way, these pamphlets. I've got just a handful, five or six. And if you'd like one of these, you're welcome to it. Uh, but uh, if, if we run out and, I, and you'd like one, I, as again, as I did last week, can order a few more. And by the way, those of you that ordered those last week, they're on the way. They are in, in transit right now. And so, and also, uh, I've got a few extras I'll, I'll show you a little bit later on and set those out. If you have any anything like that that you'd like, my goal is to get you as much in your hands as is helpful and uh, will help you both live and then talk about Jesus. So anyway, <clears throat> let's look at uh, this uh, page one here. Uh, it's uh, how to creatively present the gospel. There are a couple of terms that we'll see throughout, and I just wrote down what they have as their definitions for metaphor and illustration. Metaphor, a figure of speech in which a word or phrase literally denoting one kind of object or idea is used in place of another to suggest a likeness or analogy between them. That sounds really fancy for they're going to say this is equated to this, basically. Here's what, this is the gospel explained in these terms. Okay, so that's what they're getting at. The illustration, then, is an example or instance that helps to explain and make something clear. So in each of these, you'll have the metaphor, which is sort of the overarching topic. What, what is it that we're going to say and, and think of the gospel in these terms, and then some ways to illustrate that. So let's take a look. The ones I've selected have to do what I, with what I could tell based on some current issues that maybe folks are talking about or thinking about. Uh, metaphor, first one, health. Health. The idea here is that Jesus promises to be our physician and heal our minds, hearts, and souls. And, and for each of these, there's a lot of scriptural backup. And I'm not going to go to each one of those, but you can tell for each statement, uh, each metaphor illustration, uh, there is a lot of Scripture. Okay, so each one has a positive and negative aspect because we know we're talking about salvation or not salvation. And so when we, I'm going I'm to just, let's have a little fun. If it's fun, I don't know, but I'm going to have fun. Let's guess and see what these things are. I always like that to see if you can guess what it is. On the positive side of health, what do you think may be the term that we're looking for here? Okay. Not a trick question, anyway. Be very obvious once I give it to you. Everybody's thinking, just give it to us and quit this junk, will you? But I've got the microphone, so you know. <laughs> well, for some of you, I really hope you understand when I'm joking and when I'm not. Because if not, I'm in trouble, big time. Healing, healing is the positive side of that. 
So when you're talking with someone using a health metaphor, the positive side is healing. Look at the three bullet points underneath that. Through Jesus' sacrifice, we are healed from our sins. Prayer and confession there in James 5, 16 about being healed. God forgives our sins and heals our illness in Psalm 103. If healing is the positive side, what do you think is the negative side? Sickness or illness, either one. And, of course, their sickness is described in those verses of Matthew and 1 Peter. So, again, think of all this in the context of if you're talking with someone and they bring up some health issues, how you might be able to then guide the conversation and use the health metaphor to talk about salvation, about the health and healing that comes through Jesus and the sickness of our souls because of sin. You kind of see where this takes you. Not real hard to, to draw the connections. Look at the illustrations. The common experience of illness offers, obviously, many possibilities to illustrate Christ's work. It is not, Jesus said, the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. That was his describing his own ministry. There are illnesses that our bodies can fight off alone. There are others, however, that require help. There are personality faults and character issues that one can deal with, but there is a deep moral problem called sin that only one physician can cure, and that's Jesus. And so you may, as, as we deal with the flu season and so on, encounter somebody that's a friend of yours that you've been wanting to share the gospel with, and you may be able to use some sort of metaphor on health to help them understand that the real sickness we have is our sin, that the only healer for that is Jesus Christ. And so... Um, so that is one particular metaphor. I, I'm hoping that you're seeing sort of how what, what they're going for, how this works. It's to lead the conversation in such a way that the metaphor can be used and draw some parallels there to the gospel. Look at the next one. Next metaphor is family. All of us have a family of some sort, and so this one will be applicable basically for anyone whatsoever. Uh, through Jesus, believers become the children of God and call him Abba Father. The positive side of this is adoption. Adoption. The Christians become part of God's family. And of course, there is something unique and very special about families that have adopted children. And what a picture that gives of what God has done for us, that he has picked us out and said, I want you to be part of my family. And he's received us in just like one of, one of his own. Believers have the full rights of sons, Galatians 4, 5. We are not slaves. We are Full heirs, the Bible says, that we receive assurance that God will re resurrect believers' bodies. If we are part of his family, we have that assurance. The negative side of this is to be an orphan. An orphan. I see some of you nodding because you, you recognize that sort of terminology from the Scripture, I'm sure. The adoption and then the orphan. Now, the orphan along with the widows and the poor are the most vulnerable and needy in society. Scripture highlights that life apart from God is like that of an orphan, full of uncertainty, danger, and a lack of love. There are some illustrations here as well. If you turn the page, reflecting back on what we just said, orphans are some of the most neglected, unprotected, and unloved people in societies throughout history. Family connections were decisive for survival and a chance to succeed, probably more so back then than now, although today. We still need strong family ties growing up to have the best chance for success. Talked about a little bit of that this morning. Now, when the family is torn apart, that affects the children and their potential for success down the road. Uh, Christians call God Father because he has adopted us into his family. The word Abba is a term much like Daddy. 
And regardless of who our family is, whether they are good or not, we all have one good father. And so maybe as, as you deal with someone, you can use the analogy of family and help them understand uh, whether they have a great family or a bad family, that God wants them to be a part of his. Next metaphor is relationship. Relationship. Jesus promises to be more than our master. He promises to be our friend, John 15 says. So the positive side of that is friend. I'm not letting you guess, but I think some of you were not wanting to guess. Jesus gave his life, he said, for his friends. Wasn't it tough sometimes to view Jesus as your friend? I, uh, I, my default thinking sometimes just doesn't go to that. I think of judge. <laughs> I think of the things I've done wrong. And I think, oh, I don't want to run into Jesus right now. But he, he says, I no longer call you uh, aliens and strangers, but I call you I call you my friends. You're not my enemies anymore. You're my friends. We show our friendship through our obedience. It's a two-way street. Of course, Jesus is extending the offer of friendship, but can't really call ourselves his friends if we don't extend that right back to him. The negative side, I just mentioned the word. Anybody want to guess? It's real easy. Enemy. Very good. You guys are awesome. Incredible how smart you are. Unbelievable. Hope it rubs off on me. That'd be good. We were God's enemies, Romans and Colossians says. In Jesus, though, we are reconciled or made right with God. And Jesus, of course, will defeat his enemies. That's the negative side. And, and I would encourage you, when you're talking with someone about the gospel, about a relationship with Jesus, do not be afraid, don't case it in the right terminology, don't be afraid to mention that there will one day be a judgment and that we will all stand before God. The full truth of the gospel includes that. It's not just, just the positive side, though that is overwhelming, but it's also, let me tell you what happens if you reject this. And so God will one day just defeat his enemies. Illustrations here. Sin has created, this may be familiar to you, a gap between God and humans. The gap is enmity, or, or that enemy factor between God and us. Jesus became a bridge that allows us to walk over to God. Then we can have a relationship with God as his friend. Some of you have seen that illustration before where it's got sort of the two cliffs. We are on one side, God is on the other, and there's this huge gulf, this huge canyon in the middle that we can't get across. And then there's the cross itself that forms that bridge that we can walk across and get to God only because of the cross. And so that's sort of the relationship, the gap idea there. The next metaphor, economics. Economics, or economics, for those of you that like that pronunciation, either one. I'm not really sure what it's supposed to be. Jesus bought each believer at a price, and the sale is final. I'm thankful for that. The positive side is the payment. Of course, we'll get to this, but during this time in our lives, in our world, economics is a big thing. People are talking about the economy, the economy, the economy. Anything that goes wrong, now, just blame it on the economy. It doesn't matter what it is. Everybody's sick. What's the economy? You know, it's just, I mean, you listen to anybody, and that's the news anywhere, talk radio, anything at all. Everything's blaming, blaming on the economy. So everybody's talking about it. Might as well use it for the gospel's sake. The positive side to payment. Jesus offered himself as a ransom or payment on our behalf. His sacrifice on the cross paid, notice the money, the money type terms, paid in full the debt that sin caused. The negative side, then, of course, is debt. Some of you are so smart you already wrote that down. I'm impressed. 
Sin, of course, as we just mentioned, caused a debt with God. Jesus cancels this debt. The price for redemption is high. It cost him his life. It cost him his life. Illustrations here, difficult, as we said, difficult economic times, make the burden of debts a very concrete reality. Although we often ignore it, the burden of sin is much heavier. Getting rid of the huge weight of financial debt will allow some people, or people rather, to start over, be wiser, and live better. Now, until I was reading this, I hadn't thought of, of the, the way that you can connect, the, the, the way that our economy has been over the last couple of years, to the gospel. But isn't it true that people who, if you were, were to go to them and say, I know you're struggling financially. You probably know people like this. You may be in that book. A lot of debt that's piled up. You don't know how you're going to make the payments or whatever. Would it be incredible if all that was gone? You just start over. You could you could live differently. Maybe they've made poor choices, or maybe things have just happened. But you know, well, if I had a fresh start, that'd be incredible. Be a weight lifted off my shoulders. And so then we lead into similarly in that same paragraph when Jesus lifts the weight of sin from us through His death, we are free to live to the fullest. You think about how that might hit somebody. Jesus offers the opportunity to live without the burden of sin, so that we can have the abundant life that Jesus promises. Next metaphor is military. Military. Jesus has promised to give us lasting peace. Of course, in our times today, uh, with our country, for the last several years, having been in conflicts and wars overseas, obviously this is still pertinent and on our mind, and, and most likely always will be. There will always be a conflict somewhere, unfortunately. The positive side, of course, is peace. And that peace, of course, points to the peace with God that we have through faith in Jesus. That Jesus destroyed all the barriers of hostility. That he has defeated the powers of this world, our, our enemies. And the believers, as Romans 8 says, are also victorious. Not just Jesus, but we join him in that victory. The negative side, of course, is war. And again, this is where you may say, oh, golly, this is pretty strong language, but it's the truth. The Scripture points to it. We were God's enemies. Basically, the, the Bible says if, if you're not on God's side, you're against Him. There's no middle ground. Lots of people, we love to think there's middle ground. We, we kind of like to ride that fence or help the ones folks to think they can, but we were God's enemies. And we were then, as a result of that, under the dominion of darkness. That was who controlled us. We were the followers of the devil in his ways. And that's strong, strong language. Now, that does not mean that someone is a Satanist, necessarily, because they're not a believer, but understand whose side they're on. The illustrations here, then, life it often feels like a battle. A battle within our own uh, struggles and sin. Uh, a battle uh, with external influences and pressures. Yet Jesus' victory on the cross has defeated all the powers that bind and limit humanity. Sin and death are defeated. Satan and his hosts are defeated. You know, a lot of times, folks will, will, will think that Christianity is what limits them. But what they cannot see, what their eyes are blind to, the, the handcuffs that they wear, the shackles on their feet that they wear because of their sin. And if you've ever experienced that, where you've battled those internal conflicts, that sin in your life, you know what a, what a, what a handcuffing feeling, what a defeating feeling that is. And it's, it's great to know that Jesus has defeated all those powers that bind and limit us. He set us free. Jesus' death on the cross was D-Day for God's people. And 
in the famous day of World War II, the Allies overtook the beaches of Normandy and changed the course of the war. And Jesus, in the same way, has mortally wounded Satan and sealed his fate. He's changed the course of history and changed the course of our lives. The next metaphor and the last one that we'll look at tonight is agriculture. Agriculture. And if you can guess the positive and negative on this, you win the prize because I would have no shot. I'll just tell you that up front. Some of you are guessing right now. Go ahead and write something down, but I, I, I'm assuring you, you will be wrong. Isn't that comforting? <clears throat> I would have been way wrong. Trust me, I would have done no shot. <clears throat> By being connected to Jesus, God's people have new life. They can be fruitful and they can have abundant life. The positive side is connection. You would have never guessed that. But keep following it. Well, it'll make sense. Connection. God is portrayed as a caring gardener in the Scripture. Jesus allows us to be saved by grafting us in or connecting us into the tree to become part of his people. Romans 11 talks about that. God's people are like trees planted by streams of water. There's a lot of agricultural metaphors used in the Scripture. Only by being connected to Jesus, the true vine, can we bear fruit. And so understand the connection there is, is being rooted in him and connected to him. The negative then is separation. Connection, positive, separation, the negative. By pruning Israel in Romans 11, God allowed Gentiles to become part of God's people. People without Jesus are like chaff that the wind blows away. I was, was looking at yesterday, the combine came by and did the, the bean field behind our, our house there, and it was just stuff blowing around everywhere. And I, you know, I read this and I think, well, that's, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's exactly it. People without Jesus are just like that, just useless, just blows in the wind. And, uh, and yet so, so many people can't see that and fail to recognize that. No one can bear fruit apart from Jesus. Here are some illustrations. Gardening has become a more common, even urban activity. And, of course, uh, we, we know this for sure where we live, that it continues to be vital in rural communities. Grafting and pruning are common activities in gardening. Gardeners, both professional and amateur, understand how important pruning is for the care and productivity of plants. Now, <clears throat> I know that pruning is something that's supposed to happen. Problem is, I don't know how much and when. I'm awful. I just cut them all at the wrong times, or you know, just cut them down real low, or something. Some of you are really smart about stuff like that, or I'm just really dumb. One of the two, probably a combination. And uh, but you're, you know, that's that's obvious that pruning is is, is obviously part of the, the cycle there for the productivity of plants. Like a gardener caring for his plants, God cares for his people. God takes each one of us lifeless chaff and grafts us into the tree of his people to give us new life. Being saved is like being a plant, which is cared for and fruitful. What I've done here, as I said, is just give you some of the highlights of these 24 ways to explain the gospel that I thought may be most applicable to us in our world today. What I would strongly encourage you to do is take both this list and see who it is. Maybe you take some time at home if you've got some opportunity for personal study. And look back through these. Look up the scriptures a little bit. Familiarize yourself even more. And then begin to think of who is it that you typically have conversations about these things with. It may be somebody that's, you know, already a Christian. Okay, fine. But maybe there's somebody who's not a believer. You say, you know, we always talk about our health. It just seems to always come up for some reason. Or we're always talking about the farm and this and that. I, I don't know. We're always talking about the economy. Or we go back and forth about the war and so on. Who is it that you typically talk to about these things? 
And as a result, uh, I, I would challenge you to begin to, to think of ways, and maybe just using these examples here, of ways you can weave the gospel into that conversation and talk about the health that, that you have found in Jesus Christ, that he has, he's healed you of all the junk that's been in your life. And, or maybe, maybe something about how you have... You realize that, yeah, we've got a lot of debt, and it just seems to be mounting up in our country, whatever it may be, however you lead into it, and you say, you know what, but let me tell you, that debt may remain, it may never be canceled, who knows, but let me tell you about the greatest debt that was paid for me. And, and you just never know. I would challenge you to, to maybe write a person's name down and begin to pray for them. And then the second thing I would challenge you to do is, is go above and beyond this list. Use your own creativity to figure out what is it that I seem to talk with people a lot, and what am I interested in? Maybe it is football or basketball. Of course, basketball season is upon us. And maybe you can figure out something that you talk about sports with people or just something you have a common interest in. See if you can create your own metaphor, your own illustrations, and look in the Scripture and see what it says. There are lots of different things that you can come up with. So I would challenge you, encourage you to do that. As I said, I do have some of these pamphlets available. There are more that are in here. Uh, there's a legal metaphor. Um, there is a rescue metaphor. There are uh, biology and human development and different kinds of metaphors. So maybe you'd say, you know, I'm more interested in that than what you put on the sheet. So, hey, grab one. I'll put these up here. Let me also tell you. And I, I, I've ordered just sort of a sampling of some of their materials. I, I find these to be pretty helpful. And, again, I, I wish I were getting a cut off some of this stuff because I'm pushing their stuff pretty hard. But I'm not. And so, anyway, uh, but they're very balanced and I think very accurate in what they're teaching and what they're, they're helpful with. And, of course, these little pamphlets are just sort of handy. Uh, they, this one, I'll leave these sitting out. This is a Bible translations comparison. Maybe you've just been curious about that. What's, what's up with the different translations of the Bible? How did they get those? Uh, who is involved in all of that. But there's another that's answers to evolution. Maybe you deal with that on a regular basis. You just like a, a handy little reminder. How can I biblically defend creation? Uh, a worldviews uh, comparison. Uh, lots of different sorts of things, from atheism to deism to polytheism, lots of different things in there. Uh, here's a one specifically on atheism and agnosticism. Atheism, of course, saying there is no God. Agnosticism saying, well, there may be, but there's no way on earth we could ever know. Uh, there's one on the names of God. Of course, God known as Yahweh or Jehovah in the Old Testament revealed himself in lots of different ways. Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Different things like that. Maybe you find that interesting. And then, of course, it's one that we did tonight. So I'll, I'll set these out. If if you'd like one of these, I don't mind to, to order you one. Just let me know. Maybe, maybe make a note or something like that. And I have as well ordered a catalog of their materials. They've got lots of interesting stuff. My goal as as your pastor, is not just to stand up here and talk about a bunch of stuff, but to be able, the Bible says, to equip the saints for ministry. And I take that very seriously and want to be able to put tools in your hands. And so if you find these helpful, great. If you say, that's not ringing my bell, can you find something else? Let me know. And I'll do the best I can to put in your hands what it takes for you to live as a Christian and to reach other people. That's, that's the goal. All right?